Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. Uh, today, I'm talking to Stephen Fullwood and a new podcast contributor, uh, Melu. Is that correct? Am I saying that correctly? Melu, yeah. Melu. <laughs> and and uh, what's your last name, Melu? Oh, that's my stage name. <laughs> oh, oh ah, all right, all right. So it's Foxy Brown Malou is, is, yes. is who we're uh, is who we're talking to today. So, um, so Stephen, Stephen, you had suggested today's topic. Um, so why don't you mm-hmm. just kind of lead us in, and and we'll go from there. So I was inspired by um, what had happened to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and with. Kristen Nielsen being, you know, harassed or asked to leave restaurants. And and right now we're talking about we need this call for civility. The White House put out a call that we need to be more civil to one another. And I was thinking about it and I said, well, how to be civil in a civil society that's not being civil to you? And or where does civil civility function in a society when our leaders are not being examples of civility? Because on the one hand, you have people saying you should be civil, or even Melania Trump saying no bullying, but then her husband's a bully. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out, so I thought it'd be a good conversation to unpack Mm. right now where you stand with it, because I do think we should be civil to one another, but I'm also very interested in um, justice, and justice where families aren't being torn apart, and rights aren't being taken away from people, this sorts of things. So I knew that we'd have a pretty good conversation, you and I. And Melu, uh, Melu, do you want to do you want to jump in with anything before before we get start the back and forth? Yeah, well, I just am excited to talk about this and talk through it because I have a um, a lot of sort of contradictory thoughts, and maybe they aren't as contradictory. Maybe I need to be able to hold multiple things, mm, you know, multiple mm. thoughts, multiple emotions on this topic at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to talk. To work through things with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know how much help I can be because I'm really conflicted on this topic. So uh, I I am very sympathetic to the—not uh, sympathetic. I am a an advocate for civility in public discourse, as mm-hmm. Stephen knows pretty well. We've talked about it uh, mm-hmm. on several different occasions. Um. At the same time, I clearly think that there have been moments in history where, let's just call it shunning, was an effective, if not an effective tool for change, certainly an effective tool for an expression of disapproval, right? So that we, that the, the behavior is not sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, it's a, and to be super clear, I am a thousand percent against uh, separating families at the border. Just mm-hmm. like uh, illegal, legal—I mean, whatever you want to call illegal, whatever you want to call legal—I am across. I am opposed to it in every situation, except, of course, if the child welfare. And you know, I mean, there are all these caveats that you know you can't, yeah. you know, um, that that have to be uh, minded. But I, I do think that the rhetoric is such that we have not left any room for reasonable discussion around the issue of illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I find, you know, I actually, the LA times had this article on the zero tolerance, uh, 
mm. policy that unofficially, or before it was officially in place, um, child separations had accelerated, and it is mm. it was not at all uncommon for asylum seekers crossing at legal borders to be separated from their children. One of the stories, and you know, perhaps anecdotal, we'll see how the court case plays out, but mm. mother separated from her 18-month-old son. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just what kind of, not, it's just, that it's just not, I, nonsense is an understatement. That is, right. I, I, it's just wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. It's evil. It's it's not right. Yeah, I was but, gonna say evil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think I think it should yeah. be. I think it should be condemned in in no uncertain terms. So here's the but, and then I, I'm interested what you guys think. It, okay. I, what room is there in the conversation around immigration? What room have we given on the left? And what room does the right, I mean, because this is just sort of our tribe, right? So mm-hmm. what, where is the space for a reasonable discussion around immigration in the public discourse? Now, not in, po- not in political discourse, right? I mean, you've got uh, clearly serious people at high levels of government are, are, I mean, Obama was concerned with immigration. I mean, this is a longstanding problem. But I mm-hmm. do feel like in public discourse, amongst talking heads, amongst pundits, amongst people who ha- share the same politics as I do, I don't really think we've created a space for people to say, hey, immigration is a problem. We cannot have open borders. How do we tackle this problem? Well, one thing is that not everybody agrees that we cannot have open borders, you know? Okay, so... so that's like one, you know, that... Right. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, and, so if, yeah. if I can ask you, what is the plausible argument for an open border? Now, I'm oh, being open to it, yeah. so I'm not saying no, like I'm, not, I'm, I'm shutting not it down. I'm not saying that I actually of... know exactly what that, but I'm saying that I don't think everybody can even, we can't start the conversation necessarily with that most people agree that there shouldn't be open borders. Because I know like a significant amount of like scholars in, even in Europe are talking about um, rethinking about societies not from a bureaucratic and political perspective um but there's actually a great podcast i listened to oh it was krista tippett where she had a hannah arendt scholar Mm -hmm. on um, and hannah arendt of course you know had been a refugee herself and a, a person without a state um so i think and i'm not prepared to talk about that but i think that there is there, that has to be a part of the discussion too, and it's. It, I think it's. I'm taking that upon myself to understand what the argument for that is too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that for me is off of the table until mm-hmm. I know what that is exactly and what the arguments for that is. So I just want to put that out there. So I really can't answer your question. I was just thinking about the the timing of this. This is something that Trump p- promised during his election, during the um, during his campaign. This promise the, the zero tolerance thing? Absolutely. Or the zero right, 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 right. And this sure, is something right. that they started early on with, you know, sort of um, mm-hmm. deciding who can't and come in the country, this sort of thing. This was at the beginning of 2016, I believe, right? In January. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, like two weeks into the This presidency. is the Steve Bannon thing, you know. Um, so what I feel what's happening with the open borders thing is I mentioned to you this in our last podcast, Travis, that. Uh, Manchia Diarra, or this Malian filmmaker, had r- mm. done a film called an "This Opera, is for, opera the for the World." Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how he how he dealt with um, how he dealt with immigration 
he was looking at Malian people who were trying to migrate to different parts of Europe for a better life. And I think what's lost in the conversation is that we're, it's not about the open borders for me. It's about, it's about helping people when you can. And this zero tolerance thing feels like it's largely enforced about black and brown people. That's the, that's the shape of of it. It doesn't sound like any European immigrants or any of that. It sounds like Mexico. It sounds like the shit countries, (laughs) Haiti and, um, you know, African so, countries. Do you know what I mean? So I, I do. So I think so for me, like, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think you are absolutely right. There is there is no way that you can have a serious discussion about immigration and not recognize the fact that it is a colored discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in that. And in a class. Quotas, yeah. Absolutely. Of course. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I. So I, I, I appreciate uh, Malou's wanting to kind of put a button in the open borders thing because I – so as an intellectual exercise, I am definitely open to that idea. My reading of history and social evolution says that like that is – that idea is so far potentially in the future that um, – seriously entertaining it as a matter of policy. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, I, my imagination can't even extend that far on a practical level uh, on an, on a, on a sort of emotive level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, it, but I appreciate the putting a button in it because I don't, uh, it's a fair point. I mean, if they're, I mean, obviously people doing serious work on it, uh, I would want to s- read what they have to say about yeah. it and, you know, sort yeah. of what, you know, and educate myself on that. So very happy to, to kind of bracket that. Mm-hmm. The other, the, the other piece of it though, is when, when, I feel like when we don't create a space now, and and I can I can already imagine a counter to to my suggestion here, <laughs> um, but but when when we don't create a space in which people like we have to understand that the country is filled with a lot of uh, scared folks, and oh, yeah, yeah. and 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 those scared folks are not bad people; they're just people. And they plug into whatever ideology that they plug into. Mm-hmm, so you've mm-hmm. got a significant portion of the country that is afraid of people that don't look like them, that don't dress like them, that don't share their politics. And, and those people are at the table. We may not want those people at the table, but they're there. you got to, like, break bread with them and you got to share meals with them. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm interested in breaking bread with them. I think the issue is Mm -hmm. for me so often it's that I don't necessarily have access to them. I have access to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that, and to me, she's different from, you know, the guy in Appalachia. And the reason, and so something I've been thinking about, and I like listen to, you know, like a a meditation on this. um, And I've been just thinking about, you know, with with a friend or with somebody, you know, like you, I don't know you, but I can also, I, I can already feel that there is room for us to be polite to one another in discussing mm-hmm. ideas because mm-hmm. there is not a feeling of harm being shared. So when we talk about yeah. civility mm-hmm. towards Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I'm like, who? I'm trying to do all the meta loving kindness work that is possible because to some extent it's like, you know, yeah, I do. What's what's te- what is so frustrating about 
politics for me in general, and but politics for me right now, it reminds me of when I was in high school. I was in high school during the 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 Bush W Bush years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I remember at that point um, feeling like, okay, my my country is being run by supervillains. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, Condoleezza, like, Condoleezza Rice is a supervillain, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Rumsfeld is a supervillain, and George, we don't, I don't know, is George W. Bush the dope, and, and his vice president's a super, you know, it, but, <laughs> but it was like every, in a, in a just world, that wouldn't have existed, but even if it had, they would have been imprisoned by the next regime, right? To me, in my mind, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, the, in the film that goes right they would have all been imprisoned and brought to justice. Mm-hmm, Obama mm-hmm. didn't do that. Okay, fine. Uh, or like didn't pursue that. No one pursued that. Um, Lock them up. Lock them up. <laughs> right? But So for me, when I think about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and all of these people in this administration, um, what I have difficulty with is understanding how to have a conversation with figures like that who are wearing a mask. Um, they lie consistently, right? So it's like, I was thinking like, how, how would I, if I were another politician, mm-hmm. work with a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, work with a Donald Trump, or you know, work with these people, knowing that they're humans and therefore mm. there's, there is something shared, oh, absolutely. right? Because they're human beings, which absolutely. is also why it's so much more terrifying because they are human mm. beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus we have to treat them you know, unfortunately or fortunately, we have to treat them with the care that we give other human beings when I want to treat them like a monster. And so my, you know, my question when it comes to civility, with like mm. whether you, I mean, it's not about whether we serve Sarah Huckabee Sanders food. I, I, that is not that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But about how you have a, a civil conversation, how you are polite, which is basically the name of, which is basically what civil means, how you are polite mm. with mm-hmm. people who are lying to you every day mm-hmm. and with people who are doing things like this. And mean you like, harm. And who are, who are committing harms over and over. I mean, it's been just a barrage since he was mm-hmm. inaugurated. You know, it's like shock treatment at this point. So that's my so, question is how do you act? How do, how do you come in good faith mm. towards those who, and I think, it, I, I suspect it's harder towards a Sarah Huckabee or a mm-hmm. Donald Trump than it is, you know, the, Maybe the, person the coal man, door. the coal, you know, or the Republican on my street or something. I don't know, but I suspect mm. it, for me, it is harder to imagine breaking mm-hmm. bread with someone who's lying to me every day and who is enacting harm mm-hmm. and lying about it. I don't know. So that I threw a lot in there, but my question is like, how are you civil? No, good... How are you civil? Yeah. How you know? Because yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's sort of. So I'm gonna take a different tack. We both mentioned things I thought were really important, and I wanted I want to throw the intersectionality piece in it. Everybody mm-hmm. who is black is not a, rad, a liberal. That that that. Everyone that's white is not a Republican. So they're. Of course, so sure. Yeah. Even when you go to the marches, right? Yeah. You know to you'll see different kinds of people there Mm -hmm. and they all have different reasons for being there. And I think that Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I think that we really need to, this is the hippie in me, really try to see some kind of humanity in people you feel like you disagree with because everybody would like to have a house and clean water and, you know, healthy food. That's not, you know, modified genetically that can make you sick. And I keep thinking, and it's funny, I'm going against what I said earlier, that there's mm-hmm. got to be something in 
that other person that's in you that you recognize and that you tried mm -hmm. to come together and you realize that politically, politically in this country or any countries that everybody doesn't get what they want. People mm -hmm. make concessions. They mm -hmm. come and they say, okay, we can do this, but we can't do that and so forth. And mm -hmm. right now it feels like we're getting way too much of you're not getting anything <laughs> and we want it all. So, but I, so yeah. I, I, well, so I can, I think I can uh, usefully uh, uh, jump in and t sort of join those two things together. And one of the things that Malou said earlier in, uh, in her um, sort of, confession of difficulty of being civil, which I completely understand. By the way, I, I don't want to position myself as someone that is completely convinced that, um, that civility is always the way to go. I don't actually think that's true. Um, but, but if you, so in your, in high school, you know, sort of like Bush one and like supervillains and Condoleezza Rice and whatnot, mm -hmm. if that, if that is, if that is the way that your one is moving through the world politically, right? Seeing people on the other side and their policies as supervillains. Mm -hmm. How do we not, as a logical conclusion, end up with someone like Donald Trump? Like this is what I. This is what I. It's, there was. I had a, this little interview that I did with this um, this magazine called Monologuing. And, and I really do feel, I mean, I, there are times that I feel like, you know, all through graduate school, certainly in my undergrad, you know, I mean, I was like swimming in post-colonial theory. Like there is, there, there is, there was literally nothing that the United States could do politically when I was in my formative years that I would not have labeled or called out as, uh, a sort of neo-colonial, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? There's there's nothing that it could have done. So if if the intellectuals, like the most talented and sensitive among us, right? Not to say that I'm talented and sensitive, but just sort of like the I'll people say that, you're talented like, and are, sensitive. Are, <laughs> I appreciate that's really that's very sweet. I appreciate that. But the people who are drawn to think about things yeah. and wonder about things and feel the wounds of strangers, right? The people that 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 are drawn to do that, that have an inclination to do that. If we believed for all those years and rallied all those years in our seminar rooms and in our conversations mm -hmm. that the people on the other side were supervillains, of course we were going to eventually conjure a supervillain. Like, I feel like the failure, mm -hmm. uh, and I, f I honestly feel this, I feel the, the failure of my own personal imagination mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to extend a sympathy to the other side of even someone like Bush and even someone like Cheney. So, and and let me just, and then I, I, I'm very happy to get pushback on this because like mm -hmm, I said, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on the day I would be saying <laughs> something else. But, but Fair enough. you know, it all you need to do to extend sympathy to that worldview is believe that A, you are doing people a favor by pushing them to work harder just the way a father would push a son or daughter to work harder to achieve something. So if by believing that the social safety net impedes human excellence, mm. they believe the other, the thinkers on the other side believe this. Now I'm not saying I believe that I'm saying that is actually how they see the mm -hmm, world. Mm -hmm. And two, that in international relations, it really is just two ticks below war 
that it is it is large-scale national interests pushing for everything that they can get, and so your ass better protect what you have because someone is ready to take it. If you just have those two points of view, you can make sense of most straight-up-the-middle Republican positions, disagree with them, but it doesn't make them evil. Now, anyway, so please jump in. You know, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear... Uh, to hear counters to that. Yeah, well, what what I would say about, um, you know, the, the, the sort of monster thing um, mm. is I, I think you're, I think there is something to that, that when we, when we see people as monsters, we actually create monsters. And um, I think that's sort of the tension I feel in, you know, like the deplorables thing, where it's like right. part of, like, okay, so I've been thinking a lot in terms of Venn diagrams, like, okay, um, it's like something I, I've actually been learning in sort of, as a sort of mindfulness technique, being able to hold both things. So the actions and words of a lot of people that we call the deplorables are called deplorables is fucking deplorable. And <laughs> sure, absolutely. And at their essence, they are not deplorable. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I can hold both those things. And I think that's something I'm working on is being, you know, in, in, uh, um, Tara Brock, one of my favorite meditation teachers, uh, says, you know, when, when we're dealing with some of the things we struggle with, it's not our guilt, it's the guilt, you know? So when we're dealing Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, uh, when we're dealing with, for example, uh, George W.'s war in Iraq. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, well, why, why am I so infuriated? Why am I so insulted? Why am I so pained by this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the imperialism. It's not his imperialism. You know what I mean? So, so, mm-hmm. so with Sarah Huckabee uh, Sanders, I'm trying to do the bit diet. <laughs> or with you know, anybody in this, to say, it's not the person. Mm-hmm. You know, this person is a loc is a is a, a locus or or a, a fine tuned point. Sure, right. It's right. It's not. It's not her. It's the mendacity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not her mendacity. It's the mendacity. And I think I'm trying to do that when I think about you know, frankly, white supremacists. When I think about mm-hmm. Jeff Sessions, mm-hmm. who it's hard with Jeff Sessions too. But it's like I'm. Jeff Sessions is a human being who is operating from something that I do not know because mm-hmm. I do not know him. And to some extent, we never truly know each other as we never truly know ourselves. Well, we know fear. We, I know, I know mm-hmm. that's part of it. <laughs> yes. I know greed is part. Right. I know there's a lot of stuff that... Right. But it's the racism. And when I think when I mm-hmm. make that difference, it's a little easier for me to have righteous anger as opposed to... Um, like reactive anger, like responsive anger as opposed to like reactive anger, which is a little more flailing. And I think for me, it, on like a bad day, if I saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the street, I'm, I don't even know what I do. I might spit, you know what I mean? But that's me, that's, that's, my, that's my reaction. It's, right, not, it's not a skillful response. And so being able to look at this person and say, I acknowledge you are a human made of the same shit that I am made of. Yeah. And, I, and I think that you are doing evil, but that you are not evil. Okay, just one thing. I have this <laughs> fantasy. I have this fantasy that 
somehow I meet George W. Bush. And this is clearly like, you know, shows my age and whatever. But <laughs> I have this like fantasy that I meet George W. Bush and he's like a fan of my music or something. And <laughs> he like asks me for something and I'm just like, I can't even think, right? right? I can't think in his presence because so much stuff comes up it's whenever up. Mm-hmm. his face is on screen for me. So just looking at him and saying like, if you admitted, if you could admit what you done, if you could just mm-hmm. tell us, <laughs> if you could tell us, if you could admit it, then we might forgive you. You know, um, I, and it reminds me of this story in a Buddhist thing, and then I'll be quiet. I just, a lot of things come at once for me. <laughs> but this amazing story about forgiveness where this little boy, I, I think he, this boy writes like an advice column with his mom or something. And so somebody sent mm-hmm. in an, a question about forgiveness. And he said, you know, like my friend kicked me or something and then I fell and then my nose started to bleed and I couldn't forgive him until my nose stopped bleeding. And... So, mm. I don't know. There's something about what is possible. Certain things are easier and certain things are possible when our nose isn't still bleeding. And I think the problem mm. right okay. now is that we are constantly inundated. So, we've like nothing has healed since the beginning of last year. It's like, you know, it goes mm. from one action to another. We're constantly here, okay. you know, anxious and. So I would I would say I would say I would say one I would say two things one I would say I, I appreciate the distinction between uh, righteous anger and the sort of reactive anger the only thing I would say is probably uh, just the difference between righteous anger and self righteous anger right I mean that's there are two different things um, one is something that you do to titillate yourself and build up your ego uh, and the other is something based on principles um, and I I very much relate to that. Um, the uh, well, and, uh, let's. I want Stephen to jump in, so because I, I don't. Want oh, to okay. Sorry for my no, monologue. No <laughs> <laughs> I told you she was great. Um, so, so I was thinking about feeling. Yes, you are. <laughs> this is it's it's great. It's wonderful. Feeling the wound of strangers. I really love mm. that 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 those lines because they mean a lot to me when humans are trying to relate to one another. It doesn't have to happen to you for you to care or to you know. Um, you know, do, you know, be concerned or take care of something or be spurred into action. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I don't see a lot of on the news, but in life I see it, Mm -hmm. you know, people Mm -hmm. taking care of one another. Um, I was thinking earlier when I made the point about every, every, um, every recipe of a human's not the same kind of thing. And so where my father would be like, yeah, get those Mexicans out of here too. Like it's, it makes me think about, how what you said about the imagination and, and, and the failure of it, it's it's not enough to call someone evil or not enough to, not enough to call someone bad. I don't know if that's completely correct that how could we not we're, we're, we're sort of actualizing some kind of monster into existence when the monster has evolved and shaped over the years and different kinds of people um, have appealed in different ways for for civil rights or for um, all kinds of things. So people are trying to, I think right now we hear a lot more of the yelling and the screaming, but there are people who are still trying to do the very things that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of coming to the table. I think, I used to wonder whether or not, so so I asked this woman named Annette Gordon-Reed, she's a, a Lincoln scholar, 
And she said to me, I was, uh, she, no, she was actually asked by Dr. Muhammad, who was then the director of the Schoenberg, when people come up to you and say, is, um, they sort of minimize the effect of slavery or mm. talk about it as being just sort of like a moment or an internship or some kind of bullshit, right? <laughs> and so... A choice. A choice. You know, they came over. It was relaxing. They were, they were well fed while they built have the White House. Have you seen how naked they were in Africa? Here they have clothes. <laughs> and they're speaking English. This is great. So what she said was, what I thought was really important, and I'm still kind of questioning it. She goes, if people can't come to the table with a basic understanding of how ridiculous... Um, brutal and violent and, and, and soul-sucking that institution was and still can be based on the kinds of legacies and fortunes that were made off of it, then when she says, I can't talk to them because they're not coming um, with a certain kind of truth about the basics, yeah. right? Yeah. And so yeah, that's what yeah. I wonder going to the table. If we can't come to the table and say, this is incorrect. Families should not be separated at the border. They should be treated with mm -hmm. more respect. And it's re regardless of, like you said, if it's illegal or not illegal, that's not really the issue. It's just humanity. So if we don't have a basic understanding of humanity and how to treat people, then I don't know. I, I'm having a failure of my imagination to figure out how to do that with someone's basic, de deny my basic right to be, or I'm doing the same to them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think uh, I think you exactly encapsulated it. I think that there do have to be a basic set of assumptions and principles to open a dialogue with people like that. I, I think two things, uh, and then I'd like to actually give uh, both of you guys the last word um, before we wrap up today. One, Malou, the only thing I would say is it's not that we're still bleeding. It's that we had cancer and we've had it for oh. years and we, <laughs> and we just figured it out. And we just got the diagnosis. And so I, mm. I, don't, I don't think, um, I mean, we were bombing people for eight years under Obama. We yeah, were bombing people absolutely. under Bush. Oh, mm -hmm. Poor people were getting poor. Poor people have been getting poorer for 40 yeah, years. Yeah. And the Facts. middle class has been uh, eroding mm -hmm. uh, for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just, we just like just got the diagnosis. And now it's like, shit do we need chemotherapy you know like what what kind of radical treatment do we need to do to 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 take care wow. of ourselves wow. and mm -hmm. then the 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 second thing is uh i when strategically and i'm or tactically however if you want to think small scale or large scale when i advocate for civility it is not for those motherfuckers mm. right it's not for those mm. people that are going to deny that you are a person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's for all the people watching that don't have strong opinions, that are really busy and can only spare limited bandwidth to, to mm, tune in. Mm. And it's, it's to capture those people for what I believe is right. And it's to advocate for civility so that we can marshal more people that are kind of in the margins and in between and aren't don't have the time to pay that much attention or even the inclination let's not valorize yeah. them mm -hmm. they just might really be into like bullshit pop culture but those bodies and those opinions still matter in a democracy so it's for those people. I, I want to do battle with the people that we are talking about right, like the people right. that are perpetuating these like I don't no quarter Mm -hmm. But it has to be done like, I mean, and honestly, black culture has the very best examples of this, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, all, the, the sort of movements, the significant Absolutely. movements in American history 
those were done, I mean, those were like real straight up battles. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, the, in the street battles. Right. But, but their sense of propriety um, and their sense of principle and honor and dignity, uh, they held on to that. Um, and so that, I guess that's, if I had a position, that's what it would be. <sighs> yeah. I hear the cancer thing. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's a, it's like, it's an autoimmune disease, but now it's like, it went, it's now it's just an overdrive. Now it's like, you can't move mm. anything. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the lupus has gone sure. out of control. Like, and you mm-hmm. knew, we right. knew. That's the thing is we knew. But did we know? I'm we not knew. sure. We I don't knew. know. I keep thinking that we are we just, knew. we are just like a, a snap out of the 60s, 50s and 60s where people were trying to break open their minds around different ways of thinking about the world mm-hmm. and the blowback mm-hmm. happened immediately in the 70s. Right. It just every, you For know. Sure. But it happens every decade. It completely does. But I think we're, we, we're still in a pendulum moment and I think Jimmy Carter was a blip and so was Obama <laughs> and so was Clinton. I feel like the, there was still a lot of the very things that were fighting mass incarceration that happened yes, under their yes. watch as well. Yes. Not all of them. But there was this moment where I, I think mean, Jimmy some Carter... key immigration foibles under the Clinton administration. Oh, yeah. I mean, and no one holds them to that account that that accountability because we want to have the heroes, mm-hmm. we want to have the villains. Yeah. And so we need to be able to hold people accountable for what they do. Yeah. And we don't do that very well. And I think I agree with Travis. If that the failure of our imagination to imagine something bigger and more robust is lacking, I think. The right, definitely, when I read the right stuff, I'm just like going, I don't know what planet you're from. I have no idea what's going on with you. Listening to, I think, the the Milo guy who was recently saying something about kill journalists and he's not in jail or not being brought up on charges. Right, right. You know, so I wonder where they're going. But I don't think that people know how ill they are. I don't. But here's one thing. I mean, I think that right now I'm really excited about grassroots activism I'm in a way that I'm not actually that excited uh, besides maybe Alexandra, you know, Ocasio-Cortez or somebody like that about Mm -hmm. um, sort of mainstream politics because I think they're, I don't know. I think there's just a lot. No, it change happens at the bottom. And so when, when you bring up black movement, something that excited me when I was learning about the black Panthers were all the, all of the other groups that they were in conversation with, including white working class folks, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, sort of absolutely. leftist groups. And so, mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I mean, are they called civil? Would they, would their actions be called civil in 2018? It depends on who's calling who, what. Yeah, I guess. Because yeah. my, my whole thing is like, it, self. when you said self-righteous, it kind of made me think of how like, I mean, the MAGA hat is like, I guess really triggering for a lot of people. Yeah. It, I don't, it's not particularly for me. I saw one at a Dave Chappelle concert. I mean, I'm also in a space where it's like one MAGA hat. And I walked past an Asian man with a MAGA hat on the other day. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Pray for and his I was soul. like, oh, and you know, making America great again in a lot of people's eyes means that you're not in you're the You're not equation. here, right? Oh, yeah, God. Right, but, right. you know, so this, but it's like, I'm not going to attack him because that feels like I'm attacking him. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the idea of like not serving people, I mean, 
I don't feel bad for Sarah Huckabee Sanders in any which way or form. Not now. Probably not for a very long time. So I don't care. But I wonder what that does for whom. Like, what does that yeah. do as opposed yeah. to what I think Maxine Waters was saying was like, you know, stop them in the streets. Like, don't let them sleep at night. To some extent, I'm like, no, you should, like, there's, you should be shamed. You should be banish it there should be behavior or you should be kept up at night for what you know like a kind of like no if they if those kids don't get peace you don't get peace you know i Mm. that i can kind of see but i don't know the restaurant thing doesn't move me it just seems it seems small well people have argued that you're just giving ammunition to the other side and i really don't think so i Mm. think that immobility or sort of a static way of sort of responding to people or the idea that you're being civil if you don't come out of your mouth a certain kind of way yeah. is a way to to not minimize or demoralize but to sort of shame you into having an opinion that you should just go ahead with the program you should yes, just yeah. go along with it and so i don't yeah um, i kind of, sorry uh, all right so i m- m- no 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 i actually really wish we could okay. keep the conversation <laughs> going but we but we've promised ourselves that we would keep the podcast in the 30s okay. so. all right. And we're and we're we're pushing up on it. So, uh, I'm very happy to continue the conversation next week, though. I think it's uh, a good idea. And it was it, it was wonderful to have you, and I appreciate you joining us. Thank and you, Stephen. It was great talking. Great talking to you, Travis. Thank you. Thanks very much.